0: Glad to be back with you all. Um, thankful. I was, you know, last week I said I wasn't here. I was being an uncle for the first time. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. You should clap for that. You know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> baby, and, baby and mom are doing really well. You know, they're adjusting. Um, so it was really fun to get to see that baby and hold the baby and, you know, be there for my sister. So I was very thankful for that. Uh, but I was also thankful Pat was able to come in. And preached last week, uh, kind of going along the same theme of what we've been talking about the past, the past several weeks, right? We're spending five weeks talking about what we want to be as the Melbourne Church of Christ. Okay, and again, this is not just me, and, I, and you might be tired of hear, hearing me say this, but this isn't just me talking, this isn't just Pat talking or just Calvin talking, right? This is a collection of leadership saying this is what we want to be about as a church. Okay, so we're on the same page. I, I want to move forward here. So last week. Pat mentioned something, I love this idea when we're talking about imitating Jesus, this idea of imitation involving copying external behavior and replicating internal motivation. We're going to have that same theme today a little bit. And, you know, Pat talked about the different ways in which we can imitate Jesus through our conversations. And sometimes the idea of imitating Jesus sounds like a daunting task, but when you really break it down, we can do it. We can do certain things to really emulate Christ to those who are around us. And I think this is kind of the, the center point right here, right? This idea of it involving copying external behavior and replicating internal motivation, the both and of Jesus there in our own lives. So to kind of let you know where we're at, this whole idea of glorifying God as our main aim. If you see this as an umbrella, right? Glorifying God is what we're about, right? Right? We talked about doing it in times of consolation, in times of desolation. And what we do is spelled out right here, imitating Jesus. And today, we're going to talk about serving others, okay? And honestly, when I first kind of got to this, the very first thing I thought about was my time spent at at working at restaurants. Anybody ever here worked at a restaurant before? You, You might still have nightmares about working at a restaurant, right? I get them all the time. Uh, I worked, you know, my first place was at Quiznos. I've told you about Quiznos. Very low, you know, low stakes there at Quiznos. And then I worked at a, at a kitchen uh, called Cheeburger Burger Chee Burger, right? Just think steak and shake, but more expensive. Um, and then my last stop Kitchen Wise was I worked at a Chili's, okay? I was a chili head. Um, and what's funny, though, is that you go from place to place, even between Quiznos and Chee Burger and, and, um, and, and Chili's, it's funny that the same people pop up right? There's always a guy that I work with that I am scared of in a kitchen, right? My last place at Chili's, there was a guy, his name was Roger. His girlfriend worked, and she called him Roger Rabbit. Don't ever call Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, unless you are his girlfriend, (laughs) okay? Like, the guy would walk in, and he would walk in, honestly, like, he was about to, like, make sure that everybody in there was, like, had the fear of dying, right? He, like, and I, I can still see it, I was in charge of passing out food. I was looking at the screen. I was making sure food was going to the right place. And he looked me dead in the eyes and said, each of these burgers is different. And I marked them differently on purpose. And if you mess this up, he said some bad words to me. Okay. And I was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And guess what I did? I messed them up. And so it was like, I still think about it. I still get stressed out about it. But you have that guy. But you also have the the other people there, too. They're really, really nice. Actually, thinking about it, she just recently passed two years ago. Or Not two years ago. it It was last year. Her name was April, and I was a student at Harding University, and I had an interview at my first church in Oxford, and I had already been scheduled that weekend, and nobody would pick up my shift. And I was like, come on, somebody, please, i got to go interview for like, my career, my, like a real job, right? Not, not like a real job, but like, you know, the job that I was working towards. And April said, no doubt, you don't have to pay me back, I'll cover your shift, and she was just, you know, the, the light at the end. of the, Thank you, April. And I ended up getting that job. You know, I thank April for covering my shift at Chili's. I would have just not shown up. Like, you know, it would have been okay. But April, she was just that, you know, nice person who stepped up. And you have, like, the gambit at restaurants, right? The really, really mean people and also the people that, like, would do anything for you. And so when I had this idea of serving others, the very first group of people I thought about were those people who are serving food, right? And you're probably going to leave here today. You might go to a restaurant. You might interact with servers. And I'll tell you what, there are very few people that work as hard as, you know, servers do, right, in America. They are hustlers. I did it for a long time. I was a hustler at the the, uh, kitchen in the restaurant. I wanted to make sure you had everything so I get a good tip from you. I want you to come back and request to sit at my section next time you come so that you give me a bigger tip next time you come, right? It's about this idea of I'm hustling to serve you so I can get something in return. And so when I think about this idea of serving others, I thought about those people. I thought about my experience, but I'm going to say that it's a little bit different, okay? Serving others in a restaurant, yes, people come, they sit down, they order from you. They, want, they have very specific needs. They need water. They need food. They need their check. They're out the door. In a very basic way, a church functions that way, right? There are people who have needs. We meet those needs and we hope, you know, we pray for them to have the best life after leaving our church. But if we're really wanting to be the church that Christ calls us to be, we can't just have that mindset, right? We can't just be the one-stop shop. We can't just be a restaurant church of Christ, right, where we give you what you need and send you on your way. There's a deeper level and there's much more at stake. Am I right? We cannot seek to serve others like the, like the way a restaurant service, uh, services others. There's a much deeper need. And today we're going to be in John chapter 13. If you want to open up there, if you have your Bibles, I'll have it up here on the screen too. But I think Jesus spells out what it means to be a servant, to serve others, right? And I bring up that restaurant idea because we all have that idea, but I want to have a very, very sharp distinction between that In what Jesus is calling us to do, okay? So John 13, read with me. Don't, I say this, don't read it out loud with me. I'm going to read it and then you guys follow along, okay? John 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father, having loved his own who are with him in the world. He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. I think I skipped something there. I did. And that's my fault. Okay, I'm going to read here. Okay, returning to God. Okay, verse 4, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer, clo- uh, outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, wait, we're good, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you have these things... Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so I see this, there's, there's so much going on here. There, we actually just talked about this in the teen class. I give them, a, you know, that we had some good discussion about this. But there's so much baggage in this one setting, right? You have the Passover festival. You have all this preparation taking place. You have all these people coming together, sharing meals, I'm sure, family gathering together again. And you have this one intimate location where Jesus is sitting down with his disciples and he does something pretty odd, if we're being honest. Right? He takes off his outer clothing, wraps it around his waist, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Very, very strange, okay? There's something going on here, there's something much deeper, that Jesus and we as the reader are able to see what Jesus is getting at, but I think even within that, there's a deeper level. And and when I get to, to sections like this in scripture, I have to go backwards. Okay, why is Jesus doing what he's doing? Why is it important that Jesus is taking off his outer clothing and washing his disciples' feet? Why is he doing this? I think in order to understand that, we need to go backwards to John chapter 12, verses 42 through 43. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. You see, what's interesting about this is that the people who know the most about the Bible, they're seeing what Jesus is doing, and they're saying, there's something about him that I remember, right? These echoes throughout the Old Testament are, for them, the Testament, Right? The echoes through the Testament about this man who's going to come, and they're seeing it in Jesus, but they're not willing to say what they believe because of the fear of others, right? They fear about being put out of the synagogue, and what's really interesting about this continuing on, then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not, be- does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. What's really interesting about this, these really, really smart guys who are really afraid of being put out of the synagogue are afraid of crying out to the guy who is the God that they're worshiping inside the synagogue. Are you with me? It's very interesting to me, is it not? But they're talking about Jesus as we don't want to proclaim him because we don't want to be put out of the synagogue. The very reason you're going to that synagogue is because this guy is going to come and he happens to be here when you're living and breathing on this earth. Isn't that interesting? They're still in this darkness that Jesus is talking about. Very, very clearly here, this, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. When you look at Jesus, what he's saying is, when you look at me, you see God, right? In Colossians, we talk about the Son being the, the image of the invisible God. Jesus is saying, it's not just me who's doing something on this earth. It's God doing something on this earth. This illuminates the plan of Jesus when he's doing the foot washing of his disciples, okay? It's not just a weird thing that takes place in John chapter 13. All of this comes into the fold. All of John chapter 12, where he's saying, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Now the one who is the one is now washing the feet of those who are about to kill him. With this in mind, let's look back at the foot washing. Okay, of course we have the disciples, and of course Peter's got to say something, right? It would be unlike Peter to not say something, right? He says, no, I, I... Please don't wash my feet. First, actually, he questions them, God, Jesus, are you going to wash my feet? (laughs) You can kind of hear the uncomfortable. Jesus, are you really about to do this? And then Jesus, you know, of course, says his thing. You know, what I am doing later you will understand. And then Peter goes a step further to say, no, actually, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And look at Jesus' response. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. The stakes become very, very high here, okay? And Peter changes his mind very quickly, okay? And so that's what's taking place here. Jesus is washing his feet, and Peter's having this conflict. But what about the other people who are at the dinner, right? We have Peter, we have disciples, but we also have Judas there. And think about the, the, the mental gymnastics that's going through Judas's head right now. Can you imagine? Jesus takes off his outer cloak, and he's, you know, assuming... You know, stooped down to wash his feet, and they're looking at each other in the eyes. Can you imagine that scene? Where Judas, in his head, is like, "Okay, after he wraps this up, I'm about to go sell my best friend out." That, that there's a lot going on there. There's, a, like I said, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of things going on here, and when we wrapped John chapter 12 in with this. It's not just this man Jesus doing this, right? What do we say about Jesus? When you see me, you don't just see me, you see the one who has sent me, right? It is not just a man who happens to be a good prophet. It is the very image of God stooping down and washing the feet of an annoying guy like Peter who doesn't get it. And of a guy like Judas who's about to betray him. There's so much more to the story. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So all this baggage, and Jesus still serves. All this stuff that we know about him, and Jesus still serves. All this stuff about him being the image of God on earth, and yet, guess what he still does? You can say it with me. He still serves, right? Let's say it one more time. He still serves. Jesus does all this and serves. My question is why? Why? Because Jesus could have come and he could have been a really good speaker and pumped people up and then just said, I'm out of here, right? Because if it's the very image of God, couldn't he have done that? Couldn't he have been such a good speaker or such a good person that he didn't ever have to do this foot washing? He definitely could have. But this is what's so special about Jesus right here in John chapter 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. We've already established this. I am a great teacher. I understand everything, and I am a good you know, person to be around. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Oh, I really wish Jesus could have not said that. I really wish Jesus could have just been the good speaker. right? I, I wish that he could have just been the good prophet who says a word from God and then he leaves. But then when he does stuff like this, it makes everybody act differently. Or at least it should. right? Because again, when we bring in John chapter 12... When we bring in this idea of when you see me, you see God, I am the image of God on earth. And he does stuff like this, it really changes everything. This idea we talked about this morning of the upside-down kingdom, that's what Jesus is all about. right? Kings like to live in the penthouse suite and have the best of everything, the best food, the best clothes, the best everything. But Jesus takes that image and he says, we're going to rotate that 180. And instead of having the best clothes, I'm actually going to take my, my clothes off and wash your feet. Instead, instead of being lifted up in a, in a penthouse suite, you're going to lift me up in a completely different way. That's what Jesus is preparing for, right? That's what Jesus is showing us. And it's through this act of service he's saying this isn't just a momentary thing. This is something that you're going to have to keep doing. There's more. This is different, right? And continuing on in John 13, 15... I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's incredible. We are called to be the image of Christ. We are called to have this service, and we are called to be something much, much more. So, um, continuing on here, it's this idea of, we, we, we read about in John chapter 12, about Jesus being the one who he sent, and the, the messenger is not greater than the one who is sending him. But when we look at ourselves as the image of Christ, as we look at ourselves as being these people, right, who have this example that we have to do, we are now the messengers, right? We are now the ones being sent, and we are in, or excuse me, trying to imagine what it looks like to be Christ as individuals doing things like this. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. That is what we're called to do. So my question is how, okay? Getting back to this, this, this diagram. I don't like that word, this, this idea. What we do, we talked about imitating Jesus. This morning we talked about serving others, this really transformational way we serve others. The how is important. Following the Spirit's direction, loving God and others, and witnessing to God's grace and mercy. So we need to follow the Spirit. And you might be saying, well, how can you serve without following the Spirit? I already gave you the example of the restaurant, (laughs) right? You can definitely serve without following the Spirit. And I think as the church, sometimes we get into this mode where we do things for the sake of doing things. Have you ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand. Doing things for the sake of doing things. I almost got you. Um, If we don't ask the Spirit for guidance in using the things and using our gifts, I think we end up looking just like a restaurant. Right? We don't want to be the one-stop shop. We don't want to just have things and have ministries in order just to have those things. We need to ask for the Spirit's guidance as we do those things. God, how are we doing these things? How are we supposed to use our talents? How am I supposed to do what you've gifted me to do in order to, to extend the kingdom into this world? That is very important, because sometimes I think we get wrapped up on whoever's talking right here, right? We say, that's, that's somebody's job to, 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 be the, to be the leader. That's their gift. That's not my gift. But the question is, what is your gift? What has God gifted you to do so that you can serve others in doing that thing? So many different examples. I, I hate always bringing it up, but Ray is back there, and Chuck's back there. They have gifts, And they're serving the church. Guess what? Nobody else steps up to do that job. And I'm calling you guys out right now. (laughs) I've no, like, it, it blows my mind sometimes. And it's not just about church, it's about all the other things, right? What has God gifted you to do? And maybe you're like, I don't know about tech, but God has gifted me with the ability to learn how to do that kind of stuff. Learn how to do that stuff. Learn how to do other things, but also lean on what God has gifted you to do and ask for the Spirit's direction and understanding how you can use those gifts to better this world. And not just better this world in the sense of a restaurant, right? But for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the image that we are bearing as imitators of Christ. Love others. Okay. Like I said... (laughs) The whole scenery that Jesus sets up with that last dinner, right, where he's washing the disciples' feet, a lot's going on there. And all I have to say is that if Jesus can wash Judas' feet, if Jesus can wash Peter's feet, we can definitely do something for each other, right? We can love other people. That, it just blows, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't understand That's superhuman, the fact that Jesus is able to stoop down and wash the feet of the guy who's about to betray him to his face. That is radical. And we are called to that same radical service to others. I talked this morning about what ways we can do that in in the youth group class. And I was like, think about the one person in your mind at your school or wherever that you really hope to never see again. Think about that person. How can you serve that person? It might not be by actually washing their feet, but you can definitely do something radical to change your perspective and how you interact with them. That is serving. It's not always about doing something that they're going to receive, but it might be about receiving you know, a joyful interaction. It might be about receiving a smile. I, I, I could go through the list and just help you to understand that, but that's for you to understand what can you do to love others in a radical way that you are serving them in doing so. You could think of that person. I'll leave that for your Sunday afternoon uh, homework. And lastly, witness to God's grace and mercy. This is important. They're all important. I keep saying they're important. But I think when we step back and we recognize just how much grace and mercy we've received... From that place, serving others becomes a lot easier. An example of this is um, when you go through a difficult time and you get through it and you recognize other people going through a similar difficult time and they don't think they can get through it, you already understand what took place in your life, right? It's not going to be the exact same, but you know from a place that you understand what they're going through and they feel like they can't get out of that. In the same way, when we, when we witness to God's grace and mercy, we recognize just how much God has given us, just how much God has walked through our lives together with us, from that place, we can serve others, right? From that place, when we receive just how much we've been given, we can serve others. And I say this, and again, maybe this is a little too mean of a sermon this morning, but we can't serve from a high horse, right? Right? because when you're on a high horse, you're too far away from everybody, logically. But I, I, I've heard it before, right? I've heard it before. Why? Well, I, I won't give money to that person because they're just going to go use it on drugs. Or I can't serve, that, that person's too picky. We, they should be happy with what we're giving them because it's free. You have no idea what that person is going through, right? You have no idea the fact that they're leaving their house for a few minutes so they, they can, whatever it might be that, that we're giving them, just so that they can feed their family. You have no idea. So when we witness to God's grace and mercy, we cannot serve from a high horse. We cannot assume what their life is like. We cannot assume to know what they're leaving behind. and we, we, We can't assume anything. So when we serve other people, we have to understand just how far away we are from God and recognize that they might be in a really, really dark place. So to continue to serve and recognize just how much God has given you and just how much people are suffering in this world. So this morning, I hope that we kind of take this John 13 story, and we talked about this again this morning, that John 13 doesn't just live there, right? We don't just close our Bibles and say, okay, thank you, Jesus, for that story. But we recognize that John 13 is a command. I have done this in order for you to understand that you need to do it for other people too. Serving is a command. It is not an option. How can you serve through these different ways? How can you serve? Let's just go really quick. How can you serve by following the Spirit's direction, asking God, give me guidance? Give me guidance from the Spirit to know how I can serve. How can I love others in a deep and intentional way? And how can I recognize just how far away I am from God that I can serve from that place and say, God, give me the grace and Spirit so I can bring that into this world? That's what we're striving to do. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time and I thank you for giving us uh, just a place to come. And it is hard sometimes to want to serve other people because we look around and kind of like Psalm 73 talks about, like we talked about a few weeks ago, we look around and say this world's not in a great place. But God, help us to be reminded that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. That he is the very image of God. He is God on earth, that when we see Jesus, when they saw Jesus, they were seeing God in the flesh and that if he can do these things, surely we can do them as well. We can get beyond whatever's blocking us from doing whatever it might be and help us to be guided by the spirit as we do those things. God, help us to radically serve our community so that people know that we exist and that we are a church led by the spirit and on fire for what you got uh, planned for us to do. It's so in Jesus. Let me pray. Amen. If you have any needs, I want to offer you the opportunity to let them be known. If you don't want to come forward, that's okay. But talk to somebody about what's going on, and so that we can serve better together as a church community. I want you to stand as we sing.